Okay, everyone, can you please turn with your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And uh, what we're going to do this morning is we're just going to read through the Christmas story. And we're going to talk about the miracle of Christmas. Does that sound okay? Let's do that. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for for today. I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you for loving on us and ministering to us as we, as we lift your name high. And, and I just pray that we continue to do that. And, uh, and God, I just pray that everyone in this room, everyone in this room is going to know the love of God today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's, let's start in Luke chapter 2. So we're going to read a little bit, and then we'll talk a little bit and read some more. And eventually we're going to get through the Christmas story here. Luke chapter 2, we're just going to go with the first 20 verses. And so we'll start with verses 1 to 3. Luke is the third book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And so just to understand what's happening here, during the reign of Caesar Augustus, the Roman Empire doubled in size, okay? And so what they're doing with this census is they're trying to figure out exactly how many people are a part of the Roman kingdom so that they can figure out how much tax they should impose so they can continue to build and fund their kingdom, okay? And so when it says everyone to his own city, that word everyone means no one was excluded. Okay, so everyone had to leave where they were, uh, leave where they were living, leave where they were visiting. They had returned to their, their place of origin, their ancestors' home. So thousands and thousands of people's lives were disrupted. Okay, and, and thousands and thousands of people were on the move at the same time. So businesses had to close and schools had to close and families had to uproot and, and, and travel long distances. So this was just a huge disruption for everyone. But in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, this is 700 years before the birth of Christ, it was prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. How many of you know that Jesus is the bread of life? So God put the whole world in movement just to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem to fulfill his word. Proverbs 30 says, every word of God proves true. Do you know that you can trust the word of God? So God will disrupt the whole world if he has to to get us where we need to be to fulfill his plans. 
That's kind of exciting. It was inconvenient for everyone, including Joseph and Mary. Mary is, is nine months pregnant, right? And so for that trip to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem would have been maybe four or five days, but for Joseph and Mary probably took them somewhere between 10 to seven days, okay? They would have had multiple breaks, setting up, taking down camp. This would have been a very difficult trip. This would have been very inconvenient, Please understand, this is the woman that Gabriel said is highly favored and blessed. But it's okay with God to inconvenience Mary. It's okay with God to inconvenience us. Because how many of you know that we are not created, sorry, God is not created to make us happy, but we exist We were created to glorify him. Verse 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So in the chapter before, Gabriel the archangel came and tells Mary the news that she's going to conceive a son. I just want to read it. Luke chapter 1 and verse 30. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of the kingdom, of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And at that moment, when she said that, Jesus was conceived. Consider that for a moment. The God who forms worlds with his words was now being formed in his own creation. How many of you know that with man, it's impossible? But with God, all things are possible. That's the God that we serve. Wow. Wow. Verse 6. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We've heard that lots of times, haven't we? Now, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to wreck some of your Christmas cards right now, okay? And I apologize for this. Okay, but, but on our Christmas cor- cards, we, we always see Jesus is born in uh, a wooden barn, a stable, right? A wooden barn, and he's always laid in a wooden manger, a wooden trough. Is that true? 
Okay, but actually it was much more likely, and I'm going to say, you know, I could say pretty confidently that, that Jesus was actually born in a cave. There are many caves in the hills and the pastures near Bethlehem. And early historians like Justin Martyr and Josephus, they wrote that it was in these caves where shepherds kept their flocks. And often travelers would seek shelter in these caves. And so they both actually wrote that Jesus was born in a cave. And carved into the walls of these caves were mangers. They were, they were feeding troughs for the animals. So they were fashioned in stone. Okay, another historian, early historian, Origen, okay, in 248 AD, so 200 years after uh, Jesus was born, he wrote that there were still, in the year 248, there were still many people that were coming to visit uh, the cave and, and see the manger where Jesus was born. Okay, so it was actually common knowledge where Jesus was born, and um, if, if the manger was, was made out of wood, then in 200 years it would rot, right? So, so absolutely it was, it was stone, okay? And um, has anyone ever considered what, what swaddling clothes are? To be wrapped in swaddling clothes? I know it's, that's something we hear all the time, right? And, and we just associate it with, well, Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes, well, what is swaddling clothes? I didn't understand that ever. All right? And, and, and so here's what we need to know. Near Bethlehem, there's an ancient field. It's called the shepherd's field. And so this was a long-held tradition that sheep were bred and raised in this field specifically for Passover. Okay? And so Josephus, the early church historian, he wasn't a church historian. He was just an early historian, Josephus. He said there was up to 260,000 lambs that were sacrificed um, um, during Passover, but they had to be born near Jerusalem. They had to be bred and raised near Jerusalem because it would take too long to get there. And so there was a special group of shepherds that raised these sheep. They were trained by the rabbis because these sheep had to be without blemish. right? They had to be a perfect offering to the Lord. And so there was very strict religious standards with these, with these sheep. And so these shepherds, they weren't just any shepherds watching any flock, but they were watching. These were trained shepherds by rabbis, okay? And they were, they were uh, under the rabbinical care of these, of these rabbis, and they were, they were uh, breeding and taking care and, and raising these, these unblemished lambs. And so part of their training was to protect the newborn lambs from injury by wrapping their legs in bandages or strips of material or called swaddling cloths or swaddling clothes. And so this is what Jesus was wrapped in. And that, this, this absolutely would explain why these swaddling clothes would have been in the cave where Jesus was born. So Jesus, in his very first appearance on earth, is foreshadowed and revealed his actual identity and his purpose. How many of you know that Jesus is the unblemished lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? He was born 
so he could die, so he could be the atonement, the propitiation, the punishment, the sacrifice that would appease the wrath of God to cleanse us of sin, to make us right standing before God. It's the blood of the lamb that redeems us, cleans us, frees us, qualifies us to walk boldly to the throne of grace and in to the holy of holies, the presence of the most high God and come into relationship with God the Father. Hallelujah. That's why Jesus came. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This is the most important announcement ever made for mankind, and all of heaven was there to make it. This is the heavenly host. And suddenly, there was a multitude. That word multitude in the Greek is, there was a colossal immense as far as the eye could see. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that God's angels are innumerable. They're not infinite, but they're innumerable. So try to imagine what the shepherds were seeing that night. As far as their eyes could see, countless angels in the sky, in the light of the glory of God. How many of you know that Jesus is Lord of heaven's armies? God's angelic army was present on the night of his birth to salute the commander and chief. Wow. The angels were praising God and saying, that word praising is extolling and exalting and lifting up the name of God and the name of Jesus. That word saying in the Greek means they were saying it over and over and over again in chorus, simultaneously, repeatedly announcing the birth of Christ. The Lord has come. The King is here. The Lord of hosts has arrived. Goodwill towards men. Peace, salvation, hope for mankind has come. Wonderful is here. The King of glory is here. Hallelujah. And every Christmas is an announcement of that hope for mankind. I wish I could have been there. In verse 15, 
So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. The shepherds did not delay in finding Jesus. As soon as they heard that there was good news of great joy, as soon as they heard the announcement that hope has arrived, they did not delay, they did not waste a second, but they went to find Jesus. We're two weeks away from Christmas. Let's not waste another second. Let's find Jesus. And the shepherds told everyone. They were the very first evangelists. Let's help someone this Christmas understand what it's all about. That a Savior has been born. And he is Christ the Lord. And then the next three verses, they, they show us how we can respond to the Christmas story. And this is really what I wanted to say today coming up here. <laughs> Verse 18. And all those who heard it marveled. The King James Version says they wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And so number one, what's our response to this Christmas story? Number one is wonder. To wonder is to be in awe, to be amazed, to, to, reflect, to reflect and think upon and imagine. The Christmas story is wonderful. Is that true? God becoming man is wonderful. It's wonderful. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. It really helps us to understand what happened here. Philippians 2 verses 6 to 8. We often talk about this scripture at Easter. But this really makes it clear uh, about God becoming man. This is talking about Jesus who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So let's right away, let's just keep this scripture up here. And so right away, let's understand that, that, that Jesus was, was in the form of God. So before, before Jesus came, Jesus was not just a component of God. He wasn't a symbol of God. Jesus was God. And he possessed all the attributes of God, glory, his power, his splendor. Man could not endure the glory of God. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah chapter 6 that even angels were not able to look at the face of God. They had to cover their eyes with their wings. So Jesus was God. But made himself of no reputation. And so the Greek word there for reputation means to evacuate yourself of certain attributes. 
and took upon him the form of a servant. So, so to take hold of, to, took upon himself is to seize, to grasp. And so what did, what did God do? He reached into the physical world. He created and took it upon himself. He changed his form, shed his attributes, and reclothed himself in a new form. And it's the form of a servant. That word servant in the Greek is one who does the bidding of his owner. One whose principal task is to fulfill the desire of his master. To fulfill his master's wants and dreams to the exclusion of all else. It's a picture of one whose will is completely swallowed up in the will of another. Jesus came on assignment to fulfill the will of his master. To fulfill the will of God the Father even to the cross. It says, and being found in fashion as a man. Something I learned this week is that that is an old, very old Greek <clears throat> phrase. And it was used to describe a king that wanted to be among his people. And the story goes that the king would look out his window, but, but he had this separation with his people, and he, and he wanted to walk among his people so he could be with them and love on them, and, but he's just not able to do that as the king. And so one day the king devised a plan that he would exchange his kingly garments and put on the clothing of a commoner so no one would recognize him. And so this phrase, to, to <clears throat> fashioned as a man, this, this describes the heart of God that he couldn't be among us because his attributes are too powerful. So he exchanged his kingly robes and he took on the form of a servant. He reclothed himself and the king of kings and the Lord of lords slipped in to the human race. It says he humbled himself in Philippians 2. To humble, the Greek word there means to stoop to the lowest point. even to the death of a cross. That word in the Greek, it's, it's like an exclamation. It, it really means, if you can imagine it. Even to the death of a cross. So what did Jesus do? Can you imagine this? Jesus, who is God and the King of glory, humbled himself to such a lowly position, and was so obedient to his father that he even stooped so low enough to die the miserable death of the cross to fulfill the will of his father. That is the wonder of Christmas, that God, that Jesus would become a man. Then verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them. In her heart. So, so number one is we wonder. Number two is we ponder. And ponder is it's different from wonder. Wonder is, is we're just in awe. We're just amazed at uh, what God has done. But to ponder is actually to reflect on the significance of what God has done. And so Mary kept careful record of all that happened. She reflected on the significance of the miracles of Christmas. How many of you are familiar with the song, Mary, Did You Know? 
Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the lyrics. Mary, did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. Did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? This sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. Like, that's incredible. That's incredible. But you know, I really believe Mary did know. I think she did. Because she, she knew the significance that Jesus would have for her and, and in this world because she pondered the miracle of Christmas. She, she carefully kept record. And, and so when, when the writers of the word of, of the gospels would come and they would talk to Mary, she could tell them exactly what happened. She kept careful record and she pondered the significance. She pondered the meaning of it all. I really believe Mary did know. I really do. And so we too, we can ponder the significance of it all. The, the census, the, the disrupting the thousands of lives, the supernatural conception and the virgin birth, God becoming man, the angels announcement. What does this all mean? It means that you're loved. God did all this because he so loved you. This is the miracle of Christmas. That love came down in Jesus. It's the love of God for you and for me. That's the miracle of Christmas. Jesus is a gift of God's love. He's a gift of God's love. I know there's a lot of people in this room that are teachers and uh, work in schools. Uh, can you raise your hand if, if you're a teacher, you work in schools? Okay, so there's a few of you here today. How many of you got some pretty interesting gifts over the years from kids? You got some pretty fun gifts, right? And, you know, usually you might get like a mug or hot chocolate or movie tickets or something like that. And, uh, but this one, this one year I was, I was teaching grade seven and, uh, this girl, Heather Tarian, uh, and she was, you know, she was so, she was so fun and uh, she was one of my favorites. Teachers say that you're not supposed to have favorites, but that's a lie. You'd absolutely, absolutely you have favorites. And, um, and it was right near Christmas time and she brought me her Christmas gift and she was so excited for me to open this gift. And so I opened the gift, and, and I don't know, you know, I'm thinking it's going to be like a mug or something like that. It is a bathrobe. <laughs> and it is a bathrobe that was made for someone much smaller than me. <clears throat> and so I open this, and I'm kind of like stunned. I'm not sure. And I look at her, and I'm not kidding. She's like this. <sighs> She can't wait to see my reaction to this gift. She's just like, ah. And I, I was, 
it's like, Heather, I love it. And then she just starts rejoicing because she's so, she's so excited that I was excited about this, this bathrobe. <clears throat> and, um, you know, that was a gift of love. That was a gift of love, you know. And so I received that. I received that. And I wonder if God gets that excited. Hey, I wonder if God gets that excited when, when we receive and we accept the gift of love that he's given us. There's a story that this reminded me of. It was um, about a mother, and her name is Karen. And she had a little three-year-old boy named Michael. And uh, she had a daughter that was on the way anytime. And Michael, the, her three-year-old son, he was so excited about his, his new little sister that was coming. He knew, they knew it was a little girl. And every night before he went to bed, he would sing to his mother's tummy. He would sing a song to his sister. He was so excited. But um, during the delivery, there was some complications. And his sister was born, but she was in very serious condition, and she had to be transferred to another hospital. And she was in the, the neonatal intensive care unit. And uh, she wasn't getting better. She was getting worse. And uh, Michael just really wanted to go see her sister, but... Uh, kids were not allowed in the intensive care unit at this hospital. And, and so a week went by, and, and uh, his, his sister is, is getting worse and worse. And, um, and so, you know, he, he's every day crying out to his mom, like, I want to go see my sister. And uh, the doctor uh, told her that uh, going into the second week that, it's, you know, it's not looking good, and, and you should expect the worst in this situation. And so she just made the decision, I, I really want my, my son, Michael, to come and meet his sister because she might not be able to. And even though it was against the rules, she brought him uh, to see his sister. And uh, <clears throat> he paused for a moment, and he, he saw her hooked up to all the, the tubes and things like that. And, and, um, and then he started to sing his song, You Are My Sunshine. My only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. And he sang that over and over and over. And this is a true story. Instantly, instantly, as he was singing this song, his sister started to respond. Her pulse slowed. And it became steady. His mom said, Michael, keep singing. So he sang again and again, you are my sunshine. Then her strained breathing became as smooth as a kitten's purr. The nurses stood amazed at what was happening. This is a true story. The very next day, she was well enough to go home. Women's Day magazine called it the miracle of the brother's song. 
The medical staff just called it a miracle. But Karen called it a miracle of God's love. Please hear me today. Christmas is God's love song for you. Except his song goes a little bit different than Michael's. At Christmas, God sings, you are my sunshine, and this is how much I love you. Number one is ponder. Number, Number one is wonder. Number two is ponder. Number three, in verse 20, then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. The third response to the Christmas story is praise and thanksgiving. How many of you have something to be thankful for this Christmas? <laughs> Amen. So I'm going to invite our worship team forward, and we're going to spend some time giving praise and thanks. Sound good?